What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. It's your boy Ace Boogie with my co-host who's back from the UK. My guy, the man, the legend, Zim Boudin. Zim, what's going on? <laughs> Not a legend. I'm just like... <laughs> Definitely I'm an IG Bengals legend, for sure. <laughs> I'm a Bengals fan that absolutely like just wanted to win. And that's the only difference between me and the people listening right now. People, are, we, we challenge you every week to make sure that you all want to win. And if you do want to win, you have to put your personal stuff to the side, and that is the difference between me and Ace and maybe some other people that you guys might follow and some people that you don't follow. But I am back here in the States, across the pond. I'm actually on my way to a store right now, trying to get my life back together. But coming off of the the losses now, Bengals 0-8. I heard Ace's podcast this morning. Great show. Thank you for holding it down. If you guys aren't paying attention to it right now, please follow Ace on YouTube at New Stripe City. Please make sure you follow him on Instagram and Twitter with the same handle. So it's very, very easy. I need to get all of your questions and all your support from that. And then, as always, follow me at Zim underscore Hude on Instagram and Zim Hude on Twitter. Thanks, Zim. I appreciate that. So I'm pretty sure a lot of our fans are wondering, what was the London UK experience like? Like, if you could just give us like a summary of your experience over in the UK, what it was like, what was different, what was dope, and essentially like just a brief wrap up, I guess, of your trip over. It, it was great, man. I feel like everybody embraced me there. I feel like the communication from everyone, like on like where to go to next and stuff like that, I was heavily aided the whole entire time. I got some good support from a lot of Bengals fans. I've been getting so many followers, so keep them coming on Twitter, too. Um, hooking up, I guess, with Bengals UK. I hooked up with uh, Sky Sports one day. I, I did a couple of different things that um, I thought were really, really cool. I met Ken Anderson. I, t- I just posted something on my Instagram. I can't tell everyone what I said to him, but prior to us taking a picture, I probably said the realest thing I think he's ever heard. And he gave me this smile, and I was like, yep, like, you know, like he felt it. But I can't share that with you all. But just know (laughs) he thinks very, very similar to me and Ace Boogie, I think. Um, But aside from that, though, I was working on my London accent. I got right across the pond, and I did my thing. So now let me stop. But listen, (laughs) uh, it it was good, though, man. I I had fun talking to, like, fans in the stands. I was on the Rams side, unfortunately, or kind of fortunately, I thought that was pretty cool, too, to just see, uh, kind of go in the trenches a little bit. I thought that was really cool. 
But uh, just talking sports, you know, like they're they're. I, I was talking to a guy. And he had an interesting take on it. He was just saying like, the, the and you know, mind you, know, mind you, like soccer fans, they don't have a salary cap, so they're saying like, yeah, if, if a team doesn't have a whole lot of money, I mean, hey, that's just the way it is, and, and they and they prefer dynasties there, and um, it was just so many different perspectives I was getting, even just the kickoff. I feel like they were like, why did they change the kickoff part? And that's one thing I don't even really pay too much attention to. I know Brandon Wilson is doing really, really well lately. Um, but that's something I don't really pay that much attention to. But uh, the guy was pointing out to me, he, I mean, I guess he's like a big rugby fan and some other guys. They was like, that's the best part of the game. And that's one thing I don't really think about that much. Um, and they were just like, how could they change that part where guys can't return? And I was telling them about CTE and how uh, the NFL is currently in a current, you know, arbitration where they have to prove that they're making football safe and all these different things. If you guys don't know, the NFL currently has like a $100,000 reward for a manufacturer that can come up with the best helmet or safety helmet. So there's so many things going on with the NFL right now. And I even talked to them about the possibility of the Cincinnati Bengals moving and stuff. And U.K. fans, you know, they were all for it, you know, because I'm going to tell you this. 90,000 fans in one stadium, 84,000 people in there, and out of there probably 20, 30, close to 40,000 Bengal fans. That's the most Bengal wow. fans that you're going to get all year. Huge. I mean, I got videos I'm just walking through, just people that don't even know who Ken Anderson is or don't know who Boomer Sizer is, little kids in London wearing Bengals jerseys, and I thought that was, like, amazing. So I was really, really impressed. I mean, and just the money that uh, London put behind that thing, I mean, billboards everywhere, billboards, like, near the stadium and everything, that they're just going to tear down, the, you know, the following week. I'm talking about, like, Bengals, Rams, like, billboards, like, not NFL billboards. But it was super cool when you leave out of the stadium. They had, like, this thing called the uh, box part where it's just, like, hundreds and hundreds of fans just get together and watch Red Zone Channel together and they cheer on different different teams. But the thing that was really cool about it is they had, like, 30 different cuisines of food, and it's just like a big party, like a DJ's going to like – I mean, it was, like, so many great ideas that I felt like in the United States they could take a lot from, you know, the London fans. And London absolutely deserves an NFL football team. When they get a football team, it's going to be pure chaos because if they're filling up 90,000 – see stadiums with just random fans. That's another thing I was saying. It's like you'll see a bunch of Pittsburgh fans, a bunch of Cowboys fans, no matter where you would Like they were everywhere, you know. And if they're able to fill up a stadium like that and people are behind it then, I mean, when they get a team, it's, it's going to go – it's going to be insane. The 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 um the home field advantage and everything from that is going to be awesome. So I, I had a great time. I can't thank the people in London, like, enough. Me and my wife, like – it's so much cool stuff. I got a chance to talk to Tyler Boyd for a brief moment. I thought that was really good. There there are a lot of people that I got a chance to talk to that I probably wouldn't have talked to in the States. So that was really cool. Yeah, that's pretty dope. I also see uh, kind of TDJ Paul Danner Jr. Um, blocked you on Twitter. I didn't even know he had you blocked, but that was a dope moment to see him uh, talk about toasting to unblocking Zim Hude on Twitter. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think when he got a chance to meet me and then he, and then we're all talking like in a round table and I'm talking and everybody's like 
you know, I think it kind of hit him a little bit. He's like, he's like, oh, that is Jim Hude. And, uh, you know, then I hit him. I was like, hey, you, you know who I am, right? And then he's like, yeah, I know who you are now. <laughs> and <laughs> it was just this funny moment. And he was like, he tried to play it off. He was like, oh, I didn't know I had you blocked. I'm like, you knew you had me blocked. And I thought it was awesome that you had me blocked. You know, like, if I'm talking some stuff that you don't like, block me. That's cool with me. But you will see me one day. So I thought that was really awesome. I got to tell him that to his face. So and 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 as a return, I believe a whole bunch of fans on Twitter now follow me too, which is really really cool. Right, very cool, very dope, man. It was a great experience to see just from afar, just from myself. I'm gonna see you over there. It just seemed like it was a dope time, and it definitely seemed like who they nation represented over there. Now, let's talk about your other experience. You were at the game. You saw what happened against the Rams. What are your thoughts on what happened there? Um, my thoughts on the Rams game, I thought, like, ultimately it's the same story that I talk about almost every week, um, except this difference. I, I, all right, well, one one big part of it is the Cooper Cup thing. All right, so Cooper Cup is going crazy. He's, like, fifth in the National Football League and catches. He's fifth in yards. He's, like, fifth in touchdowns. Like, he's at the top of the thing. And how the Bengals don't put together a sound – Game plan from that made me very, very disappointed. Um, and Tony McRae was just outmatched. I mean, Tony McRae probably is responsible for like 120 of that 200 yards that Cooper Cup had. Aside from that, I think they got bailed out by Brandon Cooks being hurt in the first quarter. Uh, that, but they just, I mean, even even the bubble screens that Robert Woods, even if they would get like two, three yards or that, that is, as soon as they identify Nick Vigil in, in, in space or something, they go and attack it. But at the end of the day, we get towards the end of the game, seven minutes left, down two touchdowns, um, or even even you could go earlier to the, the points before then. There were there are key moments in the game. Game's tied up. They got a punt. You know, defense does just enough to win a football game. Scoring 24 points is the threshold I, I give you all every single week. Before the game, I told my wife, I said, if they score 24 points, you know, they, they'll, they'll go to overtime or they'll go, you know, whatever. If you can't score 24 points, you can't really talk defense to me. Like anybody that's on this Chase Young uh, bandwagon or any of these guys that they think are going to be a big, big difference, if your offense cannot score 24 points, you will not go to the playoffs. Like that's that's the way it is. That's going, that's going to be the way it is unless you have Bill Belichick or you got some crazy, insane defense that's just stopping teams every single week. Because the reason why I say that is because on average, most NFL teams are allowing 22 points uh, per game that go to the playoffs. So if you're allowing 24 and you're not scoring 24, it's just a simple math equation. Like you're not going, you're not going to the playoffs. So this whole idea that we could win or you could start blaming games on the defense and stuff like that, like it just doesn't work. If you go to the offensive line, it just doesn't work. Like he has enough time. Like number 14 has enough time, and we get to the end of these games and they're the most crucial point. And it just happens every time. I posted a clip, key third down. He's got guys. He got two guys wide open, no pressure. It's a rollout. They designed it just so he won't have pressure. Throws it away. Not even, not even going through a second progression. So those are the type of things that I'm just saying. Like those are the differences between winning and losing. Giving away big third down conversions to the Rams throughout that game. I think it was like a third and 18. I mean, like a third and 10, a third and 18. Like some of those big third downs, those are those are easy ways to lose games as well. 
But at the end of the day, I feel like we get to the end of these games, and it's the same theme that I have every week. And that and that and that's why it's just a it's a fine line between winning and losing. And if they could just clean that one part up of getting third down conversion, they would win uh, probably two or three of these games already. Just getting third down conversion, that alone, just putting three points on the board at some of these key spots that they just weren't able to do. I just thought they were just super outmatched, though, like um, on the defensive side of the ball, as much as I, I'm harping on Andy Dalton's shortcomings or whatever. But when it came down to third downs and just being able to cover the middle field, like that was just a big Achilles heel. And then it's the overall theme, too, on third down for the Bengals, too. I'm, I'm saying it, uh, and I guess the Dalton lovers will, will love this, too. On third down, when it's a predictable passing situation, the offense can't block anybody. And it's, it's so clear, like, they can't block anybody. And in the times that they do give him enough time, he probably doesn't even have the space in that he needs to deliver the ball the right way. And I will give him that. But I think you could clean that up with just getting Jonah Williams back, just that alone. Just that one guy will clean up those third downs and get it a little bit more efficient. So I'm not too worried about the offensive line. I, I feel like Billy Price is not showing up as much on these games, too, and that's a good thing. And so I feel really good about that. So overall, the same theme every week. You know, I'm, I've I've been moved on to like, hey, let's let's figure out who we drafted. I say that every week, right? Right, right, right. I'm glad that you kind of backed up some of my sentiments. I don't know if it was because uh, like Chase Young just had this monster game Saturday where that came from, but there are really like a a lot of fans that just have kind of jumped on the Chase Young bandwagon. And to me, like you said, it just it just really doesn't make sense, man, because the Bengals scored 10 points this weekend, right? That's what I even named the last episode is 10 points. Like, that is horrible. Like, Chase Young is not going to solve that. Like, Moody, I mean, not Moody, but uh, like Zim is saying. But it just, I mean, I'm I'm really kind of done talking about it because, I think that there's a little bit of Ohio State bias is coming through there because I feel like if if he played, if Chase Young played for LSU, would there be the same kind of push behind that? I'm not sure. Um, but outside of that, then, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Do you want to look ahead to the next? Well, actually, it's a bye week. So I was say, we got the bye week. So one thing I thought we could kind of highlight is, like, potential trade. I think we touched on it a little bit last week. I, I, today we're filming this is Tuesday. I believe today is the deadline, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so you know, the only people that I'm looking to get traded it would be Cordy Glenn. I, it was a report by Tyler Dragon, who I also met in London as well. Really cool guy. He works for the Cincinnati Inquirer, um, but uh, and he and they do a podcast there as well. Um, but the only guy that I could see them probably moving is is is, uh, is Cordy Glenn, and I, it's been rumored to probably get a, a fifth round pick. And then also I'll be looking at Tyler Eifert. Now that teams are seeing that he's healthy through eight weeks of a season and and he had a a big game, that was one thing that I was very, very encouraged by is that Zach Taylor finally goes into these two tight end looks and it works out for their advantage. I saw a good good play from Uzoma. Tyler Eifert had a great game. Um, For my fantasy team, I had Tyler Eifert on the bench, which sucks. But aside from that, I thought that – Tyler Eifert is, is primed to get, like, somebody. And Seattle will be a team that I I just think they should really, really look at it. Because Seattle is a team with Will Disley going out for the season. I think they will be in a position to give us the most. And I say that every week about, like, what is your value and uh, 
how does somebody build up more value or when is the best time to trade Dalton? Throughout the last three years, I've always highlighted these different points where Dalton's at the high side of trading. Um, um, Andy Dalton is now at his lowest point. So now I don't want to trade him at this very moment. But we get into a situation next year, I might be saying something different at the beginning of the year. So I, so as much as I bash him or I say that I don't, you know, he doesn't need to be a starting quarterback, I think rolling over into next year, you can, you have the potential of having a higher value with him. Because right now at the trade deadline, no team is desperate. All you're looking is for desperation. And right now the Seahawks, I feel, are, are desperate for a good tight end that can really, really help out Russell Wilson. And I think Tyler Eifert would thrive over there. And I really want to see that just for him. Like, as he gets down to the end of his career with all these injuries or whatever, or he's out of his prime now, you know what I mean? Like, he's not the same guy. I I just think it's a disservice to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think they they definitely signed him when nobody else would. But to see Tyler Eifert win somewhere would bring me joy because he's one of my favorite players. I don't know if I've ever told anybody that, but – I would love to see him just play with Russell Wilson just for a year, and I think I think he's a big difference maker, and he's not scared of the moments, and that's a trait I would love to see for the deadline. But those are the only two guys I got. I, I hinted last week. I said Carlos Dunlap was in uh, talks. He made he made it uh, clear that his agent said that teams had reached out to him, so that's somebody I could be looking at too. But um, uh, there was also a re- report by Justina Anderson that said, yeah, they aren't they're going to stay put. They're still assessing players after the trade deadline, and, and they're going to roll forth with the same guys. They want to see everybody back healthy with A.J. Green, Andy Dalton, everybody full health, with the exception, I guess, of John Ross and Jonah Williams. They want to come back after the bye, and they want to be able to assess their talent at that point, which is silly to me because they're 0-8. So I think the talent is there. Although we had a lot of injuries, there have been a lot of moments where those guys played. So if, if, in order to assess the talent to me, is to put in young guys all over the place. Right. I have to agree with you on that, Zim. I think it's pretty pointless right now to assess uh, the Bengals after this bye week. I mean, unless you're wanting to see what Andy Dalton and this team looks like with the A.J. Green inserted, I still feel like at this point it's pointless. You know, you have enough film on Andy Dalton to know what he is by now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was another report that came out. Now, I'm not sure how much stock we can really put into this because it was uh, something that was kind of fly by on the NFL Network, and they were talking about the Chicago Bears. And one of the analysts on there, I'm not sure exactly which one it was, um, mentioned that the Cincinnati Bengals turned them down. He said something along the lines of the Bengals turned them down, now they're going to have to look for another solution at the quarterback position which made a lot of people think that apparently, or this analyst, wherever he got this from, apparently he was told that the Chicago Bears attempted to trade for Andy Dalton and the Bengals were not interested. If that is true, how do you feel about that? And why would the Bengals reject the trade offer from Andy Dalton if that was the case? What was the the pick, though? What is the trade? Like, what did they they offer? There was no details given on, you know, what the offer exactly was. He just simply said that the Bengals rejected the Chicago Bears. So, and, and it's crazy that we, remember we say that I asked, the, I posed this question in London to London fans. I, I posed this question to 
uh, Bengals captain or any of these guys that really, really love dogs, I say, what team would the what national football team would take Andy Dalton to be the starting quarterback right now? And this is prior to Joe Flacco being hurt and hurting his neck for five to six weeks. But who? And I said, and I guess the only team is the Bears. The Bears are legit, where they could probably go somewhere if they just had a viable quarterback that could just get them in and out of plays and make enough plays. Bears are kind of in that semi-desperation mode where I don't think that they're looking to go with a two or, or anybody like they, – they wouldn't even have that option to draft them. But I don't think they're looking at who can we get from the quarterback position in this upcoming draft. They're not in that mode. They're in Bronco mode where they feel like they have a good enough defense if you just give me a legit quarterback. Minnesota's that type of team as well. You know, like if you and – that, and that's how they acquired um, uh, Cousins, right? So Bears, I feel like, are in that position. So that is one team, but you would still have to offer me. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. second, third, something like that, and it has to be this upcoming draft and to make me feel comfortable. To to get a fourth or fifth or anything lower or something crazy like that for Dalton is quite insulting, even not, in, not even me being a Bengals fan. And the only reason why I say that is because I know that in his nine-year tenure, he's done enough to put on tape and he's done enough to show people that he is a starting quarterback in the NFL, like, that's never been my argument. I just always say that Andy Dalton isn't the quarterback for this franchise with no money in free agency behind him. Like, the, like a team like the Bears is willing to go spend money in free agency, he could work. He could absolutely work. They give him a line and everything like that, yeah, that will work. So if I know that, then I know that my asking price is a little bit higher. What do you think about that? Like, do you think that – I mean, coming into the season – before he ruined all his value, remember, I was the guy that always said Andy Dalton was worth a first-round draft pick, 
this is a guy, two-time Pro Bowler we're talking about here. Like, this is not like some guy, and he, and he doesn't have any major injury. That's very key. Yeah, I think um, the only reason that they wanted Andy Dalton is I was looking through some NFL.com rankings, and Mitchell Trubisky is, like, near the end, according to analysts there. Now, Andy Dalton's not too too uh, far from him. They had him as for tie for, I believe, like 26 or 27. Uh, he ended up coming in, I think it was, like, 28th or something like that. Um, but, you know, if you're the Bengals, you really have to consider a trade like this at this point. Uh, now, understand that they feel like they want to give Andy a fair chance just because of the offensive line issues and, you know, A.J. Green and John Ross not being there. I get that. I get that. But to be honest with yourself, you haven't seen anything from Andy within the past two to three years that will really make you comfortable with handing him over $30 million a year. We know that, right? This was supposed to be the year for him to prove that to us. That's why he hasn't been extended. That's why Mike Brown has kind of come out with these cryptic statements when it comes to Andy Dalton. And and for that reason right there is why you have to see what you can get for him. I mean, if you're going to end up cutting this guy next year, which they can, they can cut him for next to nothing if they want to next year, then why not get a pick for him? Why not do it this year? Why not do that and see what you have on Ryan Finley, Jake Delgala? See what you have. At this point, what can you really lose? You're 0-8. A.J. Green's going to come back. I mean, that's almost pointless to have him play, but he's in a contract year, so they want to see how healthy he can be. Why not cut your losses and do it? Now, now, the only reason that I would think that maybe they didn't entertain it is that the compensation must have been low. Like, they must have came in and said, we'll get, we'll give you our fifth-round draft pick for Andy Dalton, and the Bengals said no. So then that, that's what my question is to you is, what is a fair compensation to you? To me, I think fair compensation, now it, it's hard to say, right? Because from my perspective, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say that. No, if you're I, the Bears. Okay, so if I'm the Bears, right, and I'm looking at acquiring Andy Dalton, I think at least a third-round pick should net me Andy Dalton. I, I think at this point, given uh, his struggles and and given what I'm looking for, it's not going to really hurt me too much next year with a third-rounder. I'd give up a third-rounder if I were the Bears, um, if I was going after Andy Dalton. Now, a second-round pick, I mean, they could technically next year select somebody like a Jordan Love or something like that, right? Um, mm-hmm. They are, even though you said, like, they're not in a position to draft the quarterback, they're still pretty high right now as it sits in the draft order. So they still got decent – they're in a decent spot where they could technically – take like a Jake Fromm or something like that if he falls to them in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think right now you look at it and you say, okay, I'll offer a third because if this doesn't work out, I can always go in and try to draft another quarterback next year or I can go after a Drew Brees who's in the final year of his contract or Phillip Rivers. We've oh, got Bridgewater. A, a Bridgewater, right. So I don't have to, you know, be sold on Andy Dalton. Now, if my job was on the line and stuff like that, then, yeah, I might have to offer you a second. Uh, but from the Bears' GM perspective, I think a third-round pick 
should be enough, in my opinion, to get Andy Dalton. See, because if I'm the Bears, I'm not trading for the guy. Like, in my honest opinion, that's why I said it, yeah, it probably had to be like a third or something like that. And even with that, it would have to be like, I know I'm going to the playoffs if I get me this legit guy, like, right now. Because the reason why is because, like, the players that you're saying, like Bridgewater and all these other guys that are out there, I think they're better options in their contracts that probably I can kind of, you know, I can do stuff with. Andy Dalton's already going to get paid $17 million next year. So he would be under contract next year. So that that would be like a short-term plan. But the other part is I don't think the Bears are good enough to work around the flaws of Dalton. So that's why I don't even think that makes sense for them. Like, to a Bengals diehard fan, that probably does make sense to you. And you're probably listening to this and saying, what, Andy Dalton for a third or fourth? That's crazy. Like, no, that's not crazy because he doesn't offer anything to elevate other players around him. So when you have that, like, it's different. Like, when the Jags – the Jags would have been the perfect team for Dalton all that time because they didn't need him to do anything except run the plays. You know, that, and Blake, Blake Bortles couldn't do it. When they had the legit, like, number one defense, and remember Blake Bortles got them as far as he could just by right. doing nothing. Andy right. Dalton would have absolutely gave you a touchdown or two per game, would have been able to make some of the throws that Bortles never could make. I just don't think that, to me, Dalton isn't even an upgrade from Mr. Trubisky to me because Mr. Trubisky, at least he can run on third down. You might not like what he offers you first or second, but you got the running backs in Montgomery. You got the horses. I, I will roll with Mr. Trubisky, and I like the you know like the upside of that. I just don't even think Dalton makes sense in a trade to me. Like that's like I guess that's my final point because as a Bengals fan, yeah, I want them to trade for him, but I don't even think it makes sense for them. It really would have to be somebody like. The Patriots go down with Tom Brady right now. Right. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? Like, a team that doesn't need him to do shit at all. Like, right. that's the that's the team that would take dogs. And, like, I'm posting videos and stuff of just what I'm talking about. Dalton is taking sacks that he shouldn't have to take. He doesn't get rid of the ball in these key moments. He's doing a lot of different things that are so detrimental to a team. So then when you look up the scoreboard, you're like, how do they have 10 points, but he's got 300 yards? It's because of the key points. Like, on third down, he's taking these sacks and making it look way worse than it really is. He's, he's throwing the ball away on, when guys are running wide open in these key points or he's overthrowing stuff. Like, Audrey Tate almost had a touchdown uh, on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are key right. points in the game that are the difference between winning and losing. And if you're a, a team, like, on the fringe like the Bears are, where your defense is good enough, Top 10 defense to win a lot of games. Even you still need to score 24 points a game. And you can't do that with him. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, from, from my vantage point, I wish that it actually would happen because number one, <laughs> I do too. Number one it means that the Bengals are taking a quarterback next year. Number two, um, it takes that unnecessary money that we have to spend on him next year away. Opens up some kind of flexibility there. Um I don't want to. I don't want to drop this information. I was told this by uh, a pretty solid source, but we're not the only ones that want to move on from Andy Dalton. And that's all I'll say there. So, um, Jim, you know who I'm talking about, but I don't yeah. want to be that player. Um, and you know, if if 
if Zach wants a fresh start and wants to get his guy, he deserves it. And I, I would love to see Andy Dalton go to Chicago um, so that his Dalton supporters and Dalton lovers could see that we aren't just hating on him, right? Like, Andy Dalton is what he is. So I would love I, to I see think, that. I think a fresh start for Dalton, though, would make him – I think it will probably make him look a lot better, though, too, though. You don't think that him on a new team would give him a fresh start as well? I think Andy Dalton is an above-average quarterback. I think that he would go somewhere and do something. Um, he probably have, what, like 30, 32 touchdowns, you know, maybe 10 or 12 interceptions somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But he's not a guy that's going to be able to to win that team. He's not going to be a, a guy that can go head-to-head with Aaron Rodgers and yeah. he's going to be able to come out on top, right? I, I just don't see that. Like, when it comes down to quarterback versus quarterback, no. I can't see him doing that. Um, but would he be an above-average quarterback and starter somewhere? Yeah, sure. Uh, but, you know, if he went to Chicago and Allen Robinson went down, I think you see exactly what you're seeing here. Yeah. I, I think the the one argument, and we'll get off the topic, um, is just if you're the Bengals, right, this is what happens if you do trade them, right? Not only are the fans going to turn on you initially to say that you're tanking, the, the ones that are – quote-unquote diehards, we're a different type of diehard. We're like a realistic diehard where we're we're planning for the future. There are a group of people. It's a girl that I listen, uh, I talk to every single week. And her name is Bengals Maniac. Um, if you don't know her story, it's a very, very interesting one. But she's one of those people that I talk to that say, how could you root for them to lose, right? So then you will upset people like that that say, okay, well, you guys are tanking, and I can't root for them to lose. And uh, then we go into next season. Say they don't get the number one pick. Say they say they get the number four or five. Joe Burrow, too, is gone. And you have no Andy Dalton. And you got to run out there with Jake Dolagala or Ryan Finley, and they look like complete trash. That's the only – like, Dalton's an insurance policy for your new quarterback, for me. He's an insurance policy for the diehard fans that they you want them the Dalton lovers that you still want their season tickets. Like I'm 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 speaking as I'm Mike Brown right now. So I got I kept my Christian faith people sitting there, uh Dalton lovers. I keep those guys in the crowd and they're still believing Dalton. And those are the guys that are gonna come to the games and say, See, see the rookie? You made a mistake. Put Dalton back in, right? We, you need those guys to buy the season tickets because they're gonna buy them every year as long as Dalton's there. Then you also have a contingency plan in the place because if the guy does complete, come out there like Haskins does for the Redskins, then you go, you can go back to Dalton and let the quarterback develop some more. The difference is, I believe, two on Burrow are already ready, and the only way that they can develop is by playing. Right, I'm with you on that. Um, but my thing is, there's a flip side of that. If you try out Andy Dalton again next year, how many people are you gonna? renew their season tickets. It's almost similar to the Marvin Lewis situation, right? If they would have trotted Marvin Lewis back out there right after what just happened, how many fans are signing themselves up for that? If you draft a Tua, and you talk about the religious angle, Tua's a very religious person as well. He's a devout Christian just like Andy Dalton. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy that does his, his face paint with crosses across his eyes. So, he's a very religious person himself. So, they would already connect with that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that puts excitement back into this team. If you're, if you're to get a Joe Burrow or a Tua, 
you know, uh, you you're know, I'm with you. Covered. I'm with you though. And and I'm like I talked about on the last podcast, right? No one ever wanted to go to the Browns, bro. No one ever wanted to go to the Browns. No one wanted to be a Cleveland Brown. Like I had talked to people that were Florida State players that were like, I hope I don't get drafted by the Browns. And like after a guy like Baker Mayfield goes there. You see everyone in this offseason after they got OBJ and everything. Everyone wanted to be a Brown. Like, people right. were trying to book first-class flights to Cleveland, of all places, to play with Baker Mayfield. And if you have players that respect Tua or the Joe Burrows of the world and they want to play with them, that's another aspect of the brings. But you're right. If they don't get one of those two guys, who do they get? I still think if they can pull off a Justin Herbert or something like that at three or four, I think they're still in good shape. But – like you said, you don't really have an insurance plan. We saw how that's played out with Marvin Lewis. We saw how that's played out with Andrew Whitworth. So we know that it can get worse, but at this point, you got to just really take that leap of faith and take that gamble and figure out where your franchise is headed. People aren't going to be upset if they take if they take the quarterback in the top five and he doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. I mean, what choice do they really have? I think I think you're going to get a large group of the fan base that say, like, say he's really, really bad, and then we start on, like, 0-3 or something like that. It just doesn't mm-hmm. look – like, it's going to be a big group of people that just turn on him very, very fast and aren't going to uh, aren't going to buy into the development. Like, I'm right. buying all the way into the development. If they win four games, like, Kyler Murray, what he's getting to do every week right now is so important for the future of the Cardinals right now. It's, that's a right. perfect example. They might not go to the playoffs, which I don't think they will. They might not be able to do it, but now he's now in the system. He's learning every single week. He's not even taking any hits every week either. That's the other remarkable thing. Right. And in the process, he's, like, learning on the fly and getting so much information moving forward that then now you go back and go get that big-time wide receiver. Now you go back and go get – and, you know – and it's very similar. Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald there to kind of, you know, coach him throughout all the different nuances of the game every week. It's right. the perfect parallel. And, right. and, and and to me, it doesn't equal wins year one. Lamar right. Jackson, I, I, I do understand, is a unicorn of a situation because he's a very unique talent. But Deshaun right. Watson and some of these guys, like, early on, they, they didn't have big-time early success right. well, in different spots, just like Kyler Murray did against us. Right. You know, and I'm willing to accept that because that's the only way you can really get better. There's going to be a lot of people that if we start off 0-3 or whatever, like how how the Cardinals did, they're not going to look at it. Like, they people just react to the current. Like, right. I'm not reacting to the current when I'm talking about Andy Dodd. This is nine years of tape. Right. This isn't me just waking up and saying, oh, man, he played so trash last week. No, this is me getting all of my data from all of this time, and it leads me to the point that I know what he's going to do in all the big moments and all these different spots. I don't just right. pull this out of my hat. Like, you know, like, dog might come out uh, after the buy and go crazy for 400. Right. He, he could, but it doesn't do anything to me. It doesn't mean – I know who he is. There is no development. There, there is no upside. And that's where I think people get lost in the sauce, and that's why Kyler Murray, like, to me, represents what this franchise could have, and I just think a lot of people won't buy into that. They'll lose so, early on, and they'll, right. and they'll, and they'll talk about how uh, Dalton would have did this or Dalton would have did that. And, it, and okay. I just think it's just like this stupid argument right. uh, where people just aren't patient enough to, to wait. I'm I'm patient when it comes to a new quarterback, new coach. I don't feel like I'm not one of those guys that say, get Zach Taylor out of there. I'm not that guy at all. 
Yeah. I feel like he's doing okay. Like a lot, mm-hmm. like every game, Erickson's going for 100. Every game, uh, that lets me know that AJ Green would go for 150, 200 almost every other game. Right. If if Alex Erickson is getting 100 every game, and right. all of these, so the system is there. And all the points, if you go back and look at the score, 17 points, 21 points. The only difference to me is third down conversions and a quarterback that can improvise. That's two more touchdowns a game. And if I'm and if I'm scoring seventeen twenty one on average, like around there, I'm only one quarterback away from making that happen. Then they will say, "Well, Zim, you don't have an offensive line." Then I get my offensive line healthy. That's how you build the team. Then you start going draft heavy on defense and and and, and stand on your morals, like in your principles of the type of guys that you want to draft on defense. And, and then you're looking at like the Chase Youngs of the world and stuff like that after you get the guy. And that's what this whole conversation is always about. But I, I think people should just get realistic. Say, yeah, I, I don't mind not winning next year as long as we're progressing. Like, yeah. and that's and that's cool with me. That's what I expected. That's what I expected this year. I feel like we're getting a brand new offensive system implemented. Did I think we would win more games? Absolutely. But the fact that we aren't, it doesn't break my heart. I just like, I know where the shortcomings are. I was able to. I'm able to assess that every week, and that makes me happy. So a counterpoint to what you're saying is, hey, so what if the Bengals go out and they pick the wrong guy at quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a prison sentence anymore, people. Now, if these were the days of the Jamarcus Russell contracts and the way that these deals used to be before the CBA, before the lockout and all of that, yep. then I'd say, yeah, you're going to set your franchise back five years. I'm so glad that you used the Arizona Cardinals as an example because you know where I'm going with this, Zim. The Arizona Cardinals, two years in a row, did what? Picked a quarterback in the top ten of their draft. They picked Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen wasn't the guy. They sucked, right? They ended up with the number one overall pick. Everyone was like, what are they going to do? They just took Rosen last year. They can't. They won't pick Kyler Murray. What did they do? They picked Kyler Murray. They flipped Rosen to the Dolphins for a second-round draft pick. The Bengals could do the same thing. And that is where... You have to not be afraid to go ahead and maneuver, especially given the circumstances that we're faced with right now. And they can't be afraid to pull the trigger. Sometimes it's just like they say in Into the Spider-Verse, it's a leap of faith. And I'm ready to take that leap of faith at the quarterback position. Absolutely. If you all are ready to take the leap of faith too or not, let us know in the comments. Please get at us. Let us know your thoughts. Any other comments that you want to go uh, forth looking into the buy? Anything we got planned for this the, the week coming up, Ace? Nope, nope, not that I can think of. But I'm sure, like, um, as the week goes on, we could probably still record some shows and talk about some of those topics that we wanted to. Maybe we can do the Joe Burrow versus Tua. I'd love to debate that. Uh, there's guys that we can kind of talk about what happened after the trade deadline and things of that nature. But, yeah, we'll definitely keep bringing you guys some content because the season never stops for us. All right. Who they? Who they? What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. 
You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.